I'm Annabelle Hegarty, and you're listening to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm thrilled to have a very special guest joining me today, New York Times best-selling author Georgia Hunter. Georgia is visiting the Mercer Island School District for a few days this week to spend time with students, teachers, and parents to talk about the true story behind her popular book called We Were the Lucky Ones. This book is also becoming a miniseries on Hulu and is currently in post-production. We Were the Lucky Ones is inspired by the true events and tells the harrowing tale of Georgia's Jewish family, who was separated at the beginning of World War II. Through each person's determination to survive, the family is reunited years later. This book is a tribute to the power that love and hope have over adversity. Georgia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Annabelle, for having me. Excited to be here. So the story behind this book is one that you discovered when you were a teenager. Do you think your process would have been different had you discovered your family's story at a younger age? That's a great question. I think it probably would have been. And a lot of my third generation cousins um, were more privy to the story um, because they were their family had kept the Jewish faith of the five siblings, my grandfather being one of them, four kept it. And um, for many reasons, my grandfather did not. So I grew up not knowing about his Holocaust era past. But I think if I had, I might have not gone into my research with as much of an open mind, as much curiosity. I probably would have had a bit more resentment and anger around the story. Whereas, you know, discovering it at 15 and then kind of launching into the research in my 20s, um, I really went into it with a whole lot of curiosity and and an open mind, which I think came in handy. So you spent about 10 years researching your family history. Can you tell me about that process? Yeah, I I guess if I had known it would take a decade, (laughs) um, I might have been a little bit more daunted to um, put that stake in the ground and say it was something I knew I wanted to do. But really, I just, you know, I, I learned about the story when I was 15, thanks to a high school English assignment where we were tasked with interviewing a family member. And that's when I discovered my grandfather's story. And then about five years later at a family reunion, when I was 21, I started hearing snippets of of the greater Kirk family story. So what was happening to his siblings during the war and his parents and his young niece. And that's probably when the idea was seeded that this somebody needs to write these stories down. They were unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And that idea kind of germinated for a while until I couldn't ignore it any longer. And then in 2008, I set off and my research was really threefold. Um, First and foremost, I wanted to meet with as many relatives as I could to get their oral histories, to collect their oral history and and sit down and interview them. Um, And there, to this day, is one living relative with firsthand memories, and her name is Felicia. She was a year old at the start of the war. And so my first stop was Paris to meet with her. Um, And then it was second generation survivors, so the children of my grandfather's generation. And they were located in Brazil and all over the States. And so I, I spent a lot of time flying around all my vacation days and budget was spent for a couple of summers doing that. And then I was also reaching out to like archives and ministries and magistrates for any records that might be available, um, which often meant hiring translators because the family scattered far and wide at the start of the war. So I was reaching out um, to places in Russia, Germany, Poland, France, um, Brazil, and sure enough, records were coming back, which was really exciting when one would come back. And then the final piece of my research really was to just follow in the footsteps of the family members and kind of retrace their route to survival. And that entailed traveling through Poland, uh, Czech Republic, Austria, and Italy. I did learn, I did some research while I was there as well, but really more that was to kind of get the feel of what those places were like to stand in the footsteps of my ancestors um, and allowed me to add some of those more colorful sensory details to my manuscript before it went off to print. 
Yeah, for sure. I have a similar story, actually. Really? Uh, when I was in middle school, we did a similar project. And my godmother was in a Japanese internment camp, and wow. she had just never talked about it, really, for her whole life until I asked her about it and started writing it down. So it's very interesting to hear that you had that kind of similar experience as well. Wow. Yeah. It's such an important age, the middle school, high school years, I think, to be kind of looking into our ancestry or the people who are close to us and what they experienced in order for us to be here today. It's, it's important and fascinating. For sure. And then how has what you learned while writing the book applied to current events and the anti-Semitism that's been on the rise recently? Yeah, you know, I, I started researching in 2008. The book came out in 2017 and never could I have imagined that the themes of my family's story would feel so relevant. I feel like anti-Semitism has just been on the rise since 2015, 2016. Um, and it's it's scary. And I think that, you know, it's all around us. It's Charlottesville. It's Tree of Life. It's January 6th. It's happening in Israel. And it's um, it's a really tough subject. It's I'm horrified and saddened by everything that's going on, but I do feel like stories like my family's are reminders of what can happen if anti-Semitism is left unchecked, if we allow hate to fester. Um, we saw through history that things can change very quickly, that words have power, propaganda has power. Um, so I think it's just, you know, I hope in telling my story that it's a reminder of that, um, to you know, try not to let history repeat itself um, here in the States. You know, it's happening all around us. Um, and I also hope that it's a story that will bring um, bring hope and inspiration. And it is set to the backdrop of the Holocaust, but at its core, We Were the Lucky Ones is a story of courage and perseverance and love. Um, and so I hope it brings a little bit of hope amidst sort of this, this dark time that we're in. Yeah, and I think it's great that your miniseries is also coming out now in kind of this era of that anti-Semitism. And I was wondering how it felt walking into a recreation of your grandparents or your great-grandparents' apartment in on set. That must have been crazy. It was wild, yeah. It, I am so lucky to have been a part of uh, the production of the limited series that is actually still in post-production now, but I will never forget that day walking on set for the first time with the cast. They were also um, exploring the apartment for the first time, this home that, you know, my grandfather grew up in, um, stately apartment in this downtown street in Rodham, Poland, where they were from. And I was just, um, first of all, I felt like I was stepping back in time. Uh, I felt like they were there with me, and which was very overwhelming. <laughs> um, but I was also just bowled over by how real it all felt and the attention to detail that our set designer and his team put into every single last decision that was made, whether it was the wallpapers, which were different in every room, the the trinkets on the table, the crystal on the, on the dining table, the clocks in the corner, the etched glass doors. Um, it just was so well done and felt so real. The piano, the family was so musical. And I know my grandfather always talked about how he grew up playing piano and they would play after meals and stand around and sing and dance. And, and so being there surrounded by all of that, it, it really felt like I was living in two parallel worlds and um, I was just overwhelmed with, with gratitude mostly for how, how much effort had been put into making this set feel so very real and to bringing the family's world to life in a way that is so tangible and, and so authentic. 
Yeah. And another way of bringing them to life is with casting. So how hard was it to make casting decisions of casting your grandfather, like your family members? <laughs> you know, it was wild. Um, we have a huge team, a casting director out of London. And, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't the one making those decisions. I was, of course, weighing in. It was very surreal um, watching watch everything being taped and seeing these actors read aloud from the script and imagining them stepping into the shoes of my relatives. But um Strangely, you know, now I can't imagine it any other way. I adore our cast. I'm really proud of the fact that they are, it's a Jewish cast, um, and we're very international. We've got about a third Israeli, a third British, a third American. Um, they kind of look like family, and more importantly, they feel like a family. When you, when you see them on the screen together and when you see them even offset behind, behind the scenes, um, they immediately, and, and I, one of the reasons for that, I think, is the director of the pilot, who's a friend of mine, Tommy Kale, decided to bring everybody over to Bucharest, where we were filming, a week early, so that they could get to know each other, and be with each other, and play board games, and have meals, and and be silly together. And so, um, one of the first scenes in the show that we shot was a Passover scene around the table, and I'll never forget watching them kind of the banter, the back and forth, um, the love in their eyes, and they, they just felt like a family. So I'm just, uh, I, I'm so happy with our cast, and the surreal factor is is real. <laughs> <laughs> and mentioning family, you've said that you and some family members make a cameo in the series. Yes. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> you know, I didn't want to force it, but actually everyone um, on the production team was so excited and eager to have us on set for a day. So um, my husband and our two boys came over for the finale where we shot that in Spain, in southern Spain, and we decided that if we were going to be in a scene, uh, we wanted it to be with my grandfather, um, who's played by Logan Lehrman. And um, we also thought maybe it'd be good to have it be sort of an action scene so that my six-year-old and 11-year-old uh, weren't bored on set because one thing I learned about being on set is for like a minute of content, you can shoot for 12 hours. <laughs> so we decided to make it a short, sweet scene, um, in a happy moment of the show, um, where, uh, Addie is running down the street toward an embassy. He wants to get there before it closes. And we're a little family of four walking in the other direction and he runs right through us. So if you, uh, are watching the finale, you might miss it if you blink, but we're in there and it was so fun getting our hair and makeup done and being on set and kind of seeing, feeling what it was like to be on the other side of the camera. Um, and somehow maybe even more special is that my mother also had a cameo and she's Addie's middle child, and she got to also be in a really important scene, a really beautiful scene at the end of the series. Um, and she actually wore a pin that belonged, a real pin that belonged to my great-grandmother Nahuma on set that day. And I have a great photograph of Logan, um, who plays her father, stepping onto the set and looking behind him and saying, oh my gosh, this is so surreal. I have chills. And he's got goosebumps on his arm and he's kind of looking at his arm being like, what is happening? <laughs> so it was all just uh, just pretty mind-blowing, all of it from start to finish. And the, the cameos were the kind of icing on the cake. And I'm sure it'll be amazing when it comes out for you to watch and for everyone to watch um, if they are interested. 
And so you were here all day yesterday giving presentations, and you're also here today giving some more, and tonight at the middle school. So what do you hope or expect for the community to get out of your presentations? Uh, I had so much fun yesterday. It was like a marathon of a day. Um, I was really excited to be joined by all the students and who were just such, they were such a great audience. You guys asked the greatest questions and were so invested. Um, also, the Holocaust Education Committee students were there, which was really special, having them introduce me and kind of help to moderate the Q&A. Um, I just think, you know, I, don't, I think there's never been a more important time than now to remember the stories of the Holocaust, to talk about them, and in a way that feels very human and less, you know, looking back on history. Um, like a lot of historical events, the Holocaust is something you just can't wrap your head around when you look at it in, in numbers. Um, and it's starting to feel like ancient history to a lot of young kids. Um, so I think I'm just mostly excited to reach a middle school audience more high schoolers, some parents that bring the community together for um, a discussion, and I hope it'll spark some questions, um, some understanding. Maybe it'll inspire a few students to sit down like you and I have and, and reach out to a family member or an important person in their life and start asking questions. But mostly, I just hope it's a, a an evening full of um, interesting conversation and that everybody takes away a little something different from it. But I'm really, really excited to yes. be here. Georgia, thank you so much again for joining me and for sharing your story and your writing process with the larger Mercer Island community. We greatly appreciate it. Once again, this has been Annabelle Hegarty with New York Times bestselling author Georgia Hunter discussing her book and upcoming miniseries, We Are the Lucky Ones. If you're a local and want to hear more from Georgia, you can head to the Islander Middle School Library tonight at 6.30 to engage in a roundtable discussion. Now back to the music and conversations that span generations.